Good morning. I don't know why you guys are laughing. When some of you guys saw me walk up here, uh, you might have thought, man, that's a good-looking guy in that hat. Where'd he get that from? Some of you may have seen that I was holding a selfie stick and shaking your heads and wondered what I was going to do. I'm going to take a selfie right now, but it's not going to be a selfie. It's going to be a groupie. Because we're all in it. Delaney this morning asked me if I'd wear her hat when I preached. And that's as much as I'm going to wear the hat when I preach. But I have evidence now. So I wish that I could tell you that what I just did uh, had this great illustration behind it. But it doesn't. So sometimes it's just going to have fun. We have Bibles coming down the aisle. If you need one, uh, just raise your hand. We have a couple of college students coming down. Uh, Tim graduated. He's not a college student. He's a full adult right now. So, But he's coming down the aisle anyway. So raise your hand if you need a Bible. It will make sure that you get it. Uh, we today are going to be looking at uh, one of Jesus' parables. Uh, a parable, if you ask uh, most, of our, most of our youth group students, those who are actually there for the uh, lesson anyway, uh, they would be able to tell you exactly what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story with a spiritual meaning, meaning uh, that Jesus told these stories that were grounded in reality. They would be things that a lot of the times, things that the people who are listening, the disciples or the people that he was talking to would be like, I, I've gone through that. I've done that. I've seen that at least. I can I can relate to this somehow. But then Behind the story, there would be this meaning, this spiritual meaning that the people could take away and go, I learned from this something about how God wants me to follow him, how I can relate this to my spiritual life. So this morning, if you would turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 18, we are going to be reading from Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35. So starting in verse 21, we'll read together. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he, began to settle, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had, he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me. 
and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. So we have this story uh, that there is this man and he owes the king a lot, a lot of debt. Uh, basically, this amount in, in our, what we just read, the NIV, it says 10,000 gold, uh, pounds of gold. In other versions of the Bible, it'll say 10,000 talents. Basically, what we're supposed to take away from this is this is an immeasurable amount that this man owes. Some scholars equate it to this today would be somewhere between two and six, not million, but billion dollars that this man owed. We're supposed to look at this and, and say, wow, how is this man supposed to repay this? And you can, in that moment when you realize how much this is, be like, I understand how this man dropped to his knees and was like, please, I'll pay you back. Just, just give me mercy. And this king takes pity on his servant and says, your debt, it's gone. I've forgiven you your debt. Go on. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And this should have been this moment where this man walked away and he should have learned something from it. But we see in this story, he goes out and goes after another fellow servant who owes him 100 silver coins, which is basically it turns out to be somewhere around $4,000. Still, some of you may be like, that's, that's a lot of money. But compared to $6 billion, <laughs> uh, it's not even close. It's pennies. And this man should have learned something and shown mercy to this fellow servant. But instead, this servant was so concerned about what he was owed in this story, what this man owed him. And so he wanted to be paid back. And because the man couldn't pay him back, he said, I'm going to get my payment no matter what you do. So let's throw you in jail. I'll get revenge for this thing that you have not paid me for. Kind of read from Romans 12 earlier. And Romans 12 tells us, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. The Bible tells us that vengeance, revenge, vengeance is not our concern. And yet, in this world, movies, books, in our own hearts, we can see everywhere that revenge is something, vengeance is something that is glorified, that people go, yeah, that makes sense. You should, you should do that. But the Bible tells us that vengeance is not our place. God will repay. That is not our concern, not where our heart should be. This story is about forgiveness. This parable is about forgiveness. 
and choosing the path of forgiveness. Ephesians 4 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I think you've seen a theme this morning with the songs and with the kids' time. We're talking about forgiveness. And so I want to talk a little bit about forgiveness, what forgiveness is, but let's start with what forgiveness isn't. Maybe some misconceptions about forgiveness that people have, that some of us may have. First off, forgiveness doesn't mean ignoring the sin. In this story, it's not the king going, oh, this guy owes me a lot of money. Let me just pretend. I, w- I want to I forgive him of that debt, so I'm just not going to bring it up. Let's just ignore it. There's acknowledgement. <laughs> you owe a lot of debt. You owe a lot of debt. There is acknowledgement of the sin. When we forgive sins, it's not, oh, I, I want to forgive that person, so I'm just going to pretend like he never did that or she never did that. That's, that's how I should do it, right? Forgiveness is acknowledgement of the sin, but still saying, I acknowledge you did this, but I still choose to forgive you. Forgiveness also does not mean instant renewal of a relationship. Sometimes maybe you think, oh, I, I, I want to forgive this person. Does that mean we're supposed to be right back where to where we were before? Sin hurts us. Sin destroys relationships sometimes. It breaks relationships. It puts strain on relationships. Sin is not a good thing. (laughs) And when we forgive someone, we're not saying that our relationship is going to be right at that moment exactly what it was before the sin happened. But what we are saying is that we want to move forward. Paul, in Philippians, he says, One thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul used to be a persecutor of Christians. He used to hunt Christians down, find them, and he used to kill Christians. And at the time that Paul is writing this, he has become a leader in the church. He has gone around. He has spread the gospel. He has started churches. Paul often says, I am the greatest sinner of all. Paul understands that God can change us and can change our hearts. Paul understands that it has been a journey for him to get to where he is. And so as Christians... We too, before we accepted Christ, we have to realize that there was a time that we were without God and that this thing we call Christianity is a process of coming along God and trying to follow him every day and hopefully getting better and better and closer to God and closer to God. And so if we are not able to look at others and go, I can move forward and hope that this relationship can get better and can be renewed. That's what forgiveness is, is moving forward. Forgiveness also doesn't mean instant renewal of, of trust. It's said that trust is a difficult thing to build, 
Uh, it is an easy thing to destroy, but going along with that, I would say it is a much, much more difficult thing to rebuild. When somebody has broken our trust, I think all of us probably can think of a time in our lives when somebody has broken our trust, has betrayed us in some way, and you lose trust in that person. And that, I think, is a natural thing. The Bible tells us in many parts not to be fools and to go, I'm forgiving someone, and in some situations go, I'm going to completely go back to 100% trust of that person. That can be dangerous, not just for yourself, but it can be dangerous for your loved ones, depending on what the sin is. So it might not mean instant renewal of trust, but... Hopefully, it means moving forward. Hopefully, God will change that person's heart. Hopefully, that trust can be rebuilt. And as it is concerning us, we should be hoping and trying to strive towards that. I think it needs to be said here that sometimes uh, in life, the renewal of a relationship or the renewal of trust, it can't happen. Sometimes that's something that's not going to be able to happen. Whether that's because the person uh, who we wish that that could happen with puts walls up against us and won't interact with us and we're doing everything in our power to be able to build that relationship back or build that trust back and it's not being reciprocated. Sometimes the person who sinned against us and we want to forgive, we don't know where they are anymore. Sometimes that person has died And sometimes, with certain sins, it is too dangerous for the victim of that sin to go and try to rebuild a relationship. Maybe a relationship wasn't even there, or to have trust in someone. Sometimes, that may be the case. But that brings me to my next point, that forgiveness also doesn't mean you instantly need to feel better. Like we said, sin... It can break relationships. It can break trust. Sin hurts. (laughs) And maybe the hardest thing about sin is that when we sin, it doesn't always just hurt ourselves, but it can hurt a lot of the times other people who had nothing to do with the sins that we committed. I'm sure everyone in this room has been hurt by the sins of somebody else. And it's natural to when somebody sins against us, who betrays us, whatever it is, it's natural to feel hurt. It's natural uh, to feel upset, to feel frustrated, to feel betrayed, to feel lack of trust. It's natural to feel anger. We see Jesus, who is telling this story, we see Jesus on his time on earth. He gets angry at certain points. And we know that Jesus doesn't sin. So sin, anger in itself, is not sin. In fact, there are times that anger is the right course of action. But once again, in Ephesians, Paul tells us, in your anger, do not sin. I think we all know what it's like to say something or to do something while we're angry at someone or something. And we say something or we do something and we're like, man, oh, maybe even to this day, I wish I could take that back. I wish I could not have said that. I wish I could not have done that. But that's not how life works. There's no rewind button on life. If we say things in our sin, if we do things in our anger, 
It's done. (laughs) And so Paul warns us against that. In your anger, do not sin. He goes on to say, do not let the sun go down on you while you are still angry. Once again, it's the whole idea of moving forward. Paul knows that bitterness and anger can take hold of us and keep us from moving forward. I remember years and years ago, I don't even remember like how many years ago it was at this point, but I remember that my dad and his brother, uh, my uncle, uh, they got in an argument. I couldn't tell you during this day, I couldn't tell you what the argument when it started was about, uh, but this argument for three years, my dad and his uncle and my uncle did not talk to each other, did not communicate, did not see each other. And at the end of those three years, I guarantee they couldn't tell you what the argument began as either. But for three years, me and my cousins would go over each other's houses. We'd see each other. We'd see our uncles. We'd say hi. They'd interact with us. But our fathers did not interact. And unfortunately, it took three years for them to get back together because after those three years, my uncle was diagnosed with cancer. And so at that point, unfortunately, my dad and my uncle didn't have a long time afterwards to reconnect and rebuild a relationship and rebuild trust because they let their bitterness hold on for so long that they forgot even what they were fighting about. Paul tells us, don't Let the sun go down on your anger. Move forward. Don't let bitterness clutch our hearts. That brings me to my last point about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not require repentance. I've been saying this a lot, but I think we all have had this feeling. I've been saying it a lot, but I think that's because this is all stuff that we can relate to. But I think we've all had at least the thought, if not we've acted upon it, of that person sinned against me, that person hurt me, and yeah, I'll forgive them once they come to me and say they're sorry. Once they come to me and apologize for what they did. Once they come to me and fess up to how wrong it was that they did that to me. I think we've all at some point had that feeling. Maybe some of us right now are thinking of a situation that's even still going on. We're having that feeling. And I think when we have this feeling of, yeah, when they come to me and apologize, then I'll forgive them. I think we're being just like that man in this parable who was so concerned about what he's owed. I deserve an apology. I deserve to be told I'm sorry. And I'm not going to forgive someone until I get that apology. Romans 12 tells us, though, that if if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. We shouldn't be focusing on others and what they're doing to move forward. We should be concerning ourselves on what am I doing to move forward to forgive. And so if there's one thing I want 
all of us to take away from this story today, it's that in this story we see this king who this servant has this huge amount of debt. And I don't think that it's a mistake, that's just a coincidence, that this amount of debt in the story, we look at and we're like, how, how could he pay that back? That's so much. It's meant to be that way. Because in the story, we see God's cleaning of the slate, forgiving of the debt for us. In the story, it harkens back to the fact that God's grace is unending. And that God's forgiveness is immeasurable. And when we think of it in that manner, we have to realize so should ours be, right? When Peter asks Jesus, Lord, how many times shall my brother or sister sin against me and still forgive them? As many as seven times? Peter probably asked Jesus this thinking he was being really generous. Because the rabbis during that day, the rabbinical teaching taught that three times was enough. Forgive someone three times, and then you can walk away, conscious clean, you've done your job, you're good. So Peter, when he asked seven times, is that good, Jesus? Maybe Peter thought that Jesus would turn to him and be like, wow, Peter, seven times? I was going to say six, but seven, you're better than me. (laughs) But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus turns to Peter and he says, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I have to think in this moment that if the disciples were anything like me, they were probably just like, I have to forgive people and do math, Jesus. Thanks. Appreciate it. But when Jesus says 70 times seven, he's not actually giving them a number like do that do that math (laughs) and then you'll you'll know and then you can start counting what jesus is saying is you shouldn't be counting if you're counting your heart's not in the right place if you have a max number your heart is not truly in the right place where it needs to be for forgiveness peter don't just forgive seven times keep on forgiving and keep on forgiving and keep on forgiving As I was preparing for this sermon, I was thinking a lot about, I think there is this place that we as Christians can get to uh, that a lot of us, I think, have been to that is one of the most dangerous places for us as Christians to be. And I think that is a place of apathy. Many of us have been going to church maybe for our entire lives. Maybe we come to church on Sunday and it's a thing that we do. It's part of our schedule. Maybe we hear the stories from the Bible and we're just like, yep, heard this one before. Yep, I know exactly where Pastor Jim is going with this. Let me fill in those notes before he gets to it. feel really good about myself. Maybe we've gotten to that point. Maybe we struggle with going in and out of that point of apathy. I think that's a dangerous place to be because when we're at a point, when we think of the forgiveness that God gives to us and we're not 
in complete and total awe about all the sins he's forgiven. Well, we're at a point where what Jesus did on the cross doesn't make us feel uncomfortable and eternally grateful at the same time that he paid for all our sins, both past, present, future. They're all paid for. That he paid for everyone's sins on that cross. We're at a point that that doesn't make us go, wow. I think that's a really, really dangerous place to be. And part of that that I want to focus on today is because, yes, because of what Jesus did, and if you accept Christ into your heart, yes, you are completely forgiven. Your debt is wiped completely clean. And in God's eyes, you are righteous and you are clean. But when we get to that point of apathy, I think we forget that it's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with what we've done, what we are doing, or what we are going to do. The only reason that is the case is because of what God has said that you are forgiven and when we accept that forgiveness. And that's the only thing we can do is accept the forgiveness that he has given to us. But that's dangerous when we don't fully realize the power of that, that we have done nothing. Because with if we forget about that and we're apathetic towards that, it's really easy to be focused on what is it that I'm owed? What is it that that person owes me? It's really easy to get to a point with somebody and go, ah, there's no way that I can forgive that person. What they did to me was too messed up. What they did to me was too evil. And what are we, if we think that, what are we saying? Are we saying that that person is unforgivable? And if we think that, if we truly believe that that person is unforgivable to the point where we cannot strive to move forward to forgive, what does that say about where our hearts are really at, at the understanding of God's forgiveness of our own sins? Are we putting ourselves above other people? We've done nothing to deserve God's grace. And yet he gives it to us. So today my question that I want all of us, myself included, to walk out of here and maybe through this entire thing, maybe this has been uncomfortable, maybe you've been thinking about someone or someones that you're like, yep, I'm thinking about that person for a reason because I still haven't decided to move forward to forgive them. Whether that's you need to say, I forgive you, or whether that's you need to say in your heart, because that's what God is concerned about the most, I forgive them. Who's that person that you cringe at that idea? Who's that person that in your mind is the most unforgivable? And maybe you aren't thinking of someone in particular, and that's okay, because this is not just about someone who you haven't forgiven, but this is something as Christians we want to move forward as, and we want to be a forgiving people. When Jesus told Peter 70 times 7, that was a radical 
radical idea. And as followers of Christ, don't we want people to look at us and how we forgive? And not to think, yeah, those Christians, yeah, they forgive, just like I forgive. You know, they have their limit. They get to a point and they, yeah, that person's gone too far. Or do we want people to look at us and go, wow, I can't believe how many times this person is being forgiven. And once again, that doesn't mean instant trust or instant renewal of relationships. But it means moving forward and trusting that God is in control and that he can change hearts and being a people that he can use through that and reflecting that forgiveness. Do we believe that God's forgiveness is so powerful that it's worth reflecting? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much uh, just for today. Um, We thank you for your son and for uh, his amazing storytelling. We thank you for this parable uh, that teaches us about forgiveness and your forgiveness. We pray that as people, as Christians, as a church, Celebration Bible Church, that we are able to reflect your love partially through reflecting your grace and forgiveness. We pray if anybody has right now any struggles with forgiving people that they're able to pray about that and they're able to move on with forgiveness. We pray that they, we talk with each other about these struggles, that we don't just keep it to ourselves. But we pray that we can be a people that others can look at and see your forgiveness and love in. Most of all, God, we just thank you so much for your forgiveness that is the ultimate example to us of how you love, you forgive, and of your unending grace. We love you so much, Lord. Amen.